0: You know, when you're talking about podcasting, it is a medium for distribution, but it also is an, an art form. And uh, I believe that, you know, when you have an art form that's this young and has this many people who are all working towards it, you need to pay attention to the quality, the professionalism, the, the purpose, all those things. And DC Podcaster Community and DC Podfest can all work together to help people sort of make those discoveries for themselves.
1: it's all journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with another media-focused podcast. This time around, I think we're going to have a little fun. I've got two friends in the studio with me today. Jen Crawford is one of the hosts of the Jelevision Show podcast. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. And also Alex Vidalis, the Pilot Waves podcast. Welcome.
0: Thank you very much. I would like to also mention I made no promises of having any fun today.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, fun. (laughs) I guess I should put fun in on the, the invitation. So, uh, Jen and I are going to have fun, and Alex is just going to witness our discussion. Sulk. I'll so have I'll, more fun much.
2: knowing you're not having fun. That's pretty okay. much how
1: things go. Okay, yeah, and this is this is the banter that one would expect from, from a group of podcasters. <laughs> so anyway, the reason we're in here today talk to talk about podcasting, talk a little bit about our experiences doing it, about interviewing, and then also uh, the main reason I guess we're here is that uh, Jen and Alex are the organizers of the DC PodFest, which is going to take place November 6th through 8th. At the Wonder Bread Factory in Washington D.C. Yes, it used to be a Wonder Bread Factory, and that's in the burgeoning Shaw District of uh, the District of Columbia. And uh, so, why don't we start there? Let's we'll start talking about the the podcast festival. Where did this idea come from? What what can people expect?
2: Well, for me, it started because I was seeking more of a community within podcasting because I'd been podcasting for about five years. And I started realizing that I actually was just very passionate about the platform and really just became in love with it. And I wanted to talk to more people that had that in common with me. So I started Googling and looking to see what in our area there was to address that. So I looked for conferences in the area. I looked for meetup groups. And there really wasn't anything for the podcasting community, and we live in a very, you know, diverse area. Washington D.C. has a little something for everybody, and I felt very—I I was kind of insulted actually—that there wasn't anything for podcasting. The medium has been around long enough that we should have some some more attention. So, um, I decided to see what I could do to find other podcasters. So, I started a just a community Facebook group on. Facebook uh, called the DC Podcaster Community. And from there, I started meeting other podcasters and tossing around the idea of a DC Podfest. Everyone seemed like they liked the idea, which gave me the confidence to sort of move forward. Alex and I had been friends for a while. He was excited about it. And so we sort of decided to partner up and do it together because I didn't feel like I could do it by myself.
1: Let me ask you about first, before we go on with that, about the, the Facebook group. How many people do you got uh, in the group now.
2: I am happy to say that we have over 200 people in our Facebook wow. group now. Yeah, and it's it's growing. I, I think I just added one or two people today.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, that's how we met is, is through that group, and, and it's it's been really kind of a fun experience because I've been to a few of the meetings, the monthly meetings. I met some of the, the local podcasters, you know, all types of levels of involvement, people who are just starting out, people who are trying to find things out about podcasting, you know, professionals, but other people just wanting to experience this and reach out and, and learn things from other people. It's been a really positive experience, I thought.
2: I'm glad to hear that.
1: I
0: think there's also a, an, an amazing opportunity here, especially for me, um, not me personally, but what I'm saying is, you know, when you're talking about podcasting, it is a medium for distribution, but it also is an, an art form. And uh, I believe that you know, when you have an art form that's this young and has this many people who are all working towards it, you need to pay attention to the quality, the professionalism, the the purpose, all those things. And DC Podcaster Community and DC Podfest can all work together to help people sort of make those discoveries for themselves. How are you doing that? Well, we're going to have workshops, seminars. Uh, we just um, had Chuck Levins, who's a, a wonderful local sponsor um, music store been around for a long time in the area and they're going to help people understand how to make their sound better because the most important thing other than of course the content is the the quality of your sound and if people can't get past the way that it sounds from that initial listen it's hard for them to get to that great content that you might have that great mission those great guests all those things
1: yeah and, and that's something that, that people don't always realize I mean you know I've been to a couple of podcasts uh, conferences and things and made presentations and a lot of the questions I get are, are really about you know the technical aspect of it, and they may not be talking about you know the the other sort of soft area of it. You know how do you make yourself an interesting host? How do you, how do you find interesting guests? And, and instead, they're kind of focused on this technical aspect. And technical is really is really important. There's kind of a like maybe a, a platform a platform not a platform a, a plateau that you kind of want to get to where you sound professional that you, you, there's not a lot of depth that the music. Uh, you know, blends in the way it should, that there's not a lot of really static or anything that's going to make it an unpleasant experience for the person listening to.
0: Totally correct. And I think there is a certain amount of seriousness that uh, comes with it when you start to involve other people in your craft. When you start to seek out feedback and uh, and information and, and and help, you will start to take it a little bit more seriously. And I think that ultimately that's really where we are in terms of the podcasting art form. We're at a point where more people will start to take it seriously. The hobbyists will continue to, to, to do it in a hobby uh, sort of fashion, and that's fine. But if you want to make it something else, which is something that can actually accomplish things or you know mo- be monetized, that sort of thing, you have to take it a little bit more
1: seriously. So are you going to be talking about some of these other things, monetization, <laughs> learning how to interview and, and, and get guests and, and sort of protect, per, per, um, perfect, like, like I'm not perfecting at the moment, uh, perfect your uh, communication ability?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We actually are trying to touch on a little bit of everything because we wanted to focus on the creativity, the diversity, and the business of podcasting. We really wanted to, to you know, enrich people's podcasting experience or at least uh, open them, their minds to how enriching the podcasting experience can be through your choice of genres, format. Uh, there are so many things that you can do with this platform. So we we are going to have some workshops on monetization, and I actually, one of our speakers is actually going to be talking about how to take the pressure off monetizing your podcast and to focus more on your message and the value of the message, because I've been discovering there are more and more podcasters that are using the medium as a, a platform for social change and advocacy. And again, it's one of the reasons I am such an advocate for this platform is that it does give people that haven't had a voice a much louder voice and reach to uh, spread their message or to make make a social change. So I think that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be a really interesting aspect of DC PodFest.
1: Yeah, you and I uh, last month went up to New Jersey to the Mid-Atlantic uh, Podcasting Conference. And there were a couple of people there who were doing presentations, and, and I found it really heartening that they were talking about exactly what you were talking about—that that they, you know, had a, a, an issue that they wanted to see addressed. They wanted to get some voices out there about whatever they're particularly advocating for and and had very positive stories about what they've been able to do in their communities and make change. And and I find that really sort of heartening because, you know, sometimes when you think about podcasting, it's, oh, it's just the latest comic who's trying to promote whatever, or it's, you know, some serious political guy, uh, you know, talking about something, but there's so much in this in this platform, there are so many different voices. It, it, I, I find that very exciting.
2: Yeah, there's so many people doing incredible things, whether it's social change or storytelling or educational formats. I mean, really, what there are specialized interests uh, on, in podcasting. So, really, whatever you want to know more about or speaks to you, you can find it in podcasting. And I know we are probably sick of talking about this aspect of podcasting, but for those people who might not be, as familiar with podcast or are thinking about starting one. The nice thing about this format is it's so portable. It, it's, it's a lot less demanding than a video or a blog because you can take your podcast and go on a run. You can clean your house while you listen. Uh, you can go for a, you know, take your dog for a walk. Uh, to me, it's such a, um, it's such a polite Uh, form of medium. I get mad at at videos. I get mad, even the good ones, because I'm like, I can't stop watching you and I can't do anything else while I'm watching you.
1: Because it demands your eyes.
2: It's so demanding. We're not, this is not a, a lot less demanding of a platform. We deserve more respect.
1: But it's also a little insidious, be, and I don't mean that in an evil way. Although I suppose it could be taken that way, that it's it's very personal and, and it connects with you Ugh. at a very different level than than video does. You know, sometimes you're in your car alone and somebody is talking directly to you, and and, and you're having that conversation. Granted, you're, you may not be responding to what they're saying, but you know, it's very you're very much a personal experience. And again, that's another great thing about it.
2: Absolutely,
0: I think you're what you're seeing now too with. Uh, with podcasting become, becoming more of a reality in people's cars, becoming more standard, you know, the ability to get into things like Podbean and Stitcher. You we're at that sort of interesting point of where FM, you know, was during its infancy, you know, where people are starting to figure out, well, what is it that actually will play? The difference is, since we're all starting this at such a, I guess, a, a personal level, you are able to... Activate social change because it's a personal medium. It isn't a person in a tower speaking to 35,000 other people This is one person speaking to one person directly in their eardrums, and that is it's very intimate. It's it's very uh, Personal, it's it's extremely cool. I mean there's everything about that is,
1: is fascinating. Okay, so we all agree that podcasting is wonderful but I'm, um, I'm, I'm a, how, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm it's Wonderful, it's I can take it or leave it. I, de- you know, I've dedicated my life to it. But that's it. Uh, I just know? love fests. That's you're why it. I'm involved. Okay, it, you're more fests. That, uh, that's what you need. There aren't enough fests in in, in DC. <laughs> um, so, how did you both sort of come to to start your podcast, and what was your sort of experiences doing that?
2: I wish I, um, I had a better story because I started it. So awkwardly, and I did everything wrong, not knowing what I was doing. But at the time, I happened to own a core a co working space for visual and performing artists. And at the time, I the whole reason that my business existed was to give these sort of underground artists and performers a space to hone their craft and also be in a space that was open to the public and for them to get more exposure. So, when I started realizing that we had this ability to go um online and tell a story for, you know, just I mean, I, I think we got we got up and running for like less than fifty bucks at the time, I thought, well, what a cool thing to do. Why not tell the stories of these artists and performers and creative people when we when we recorded from my business, and maybe we'll get five or ten more people that know what they're doing that don't actually have to come to our space? And it, it's worth it. It's worth it to put the time in just to to see what happens. And we were very experimental. We didn't know what we were doing. It was awful. We were live streaming the video on UStream, which wasn't perfect. And I wasn't really taking it seriously. I think I I say, and I I think this is probably accurate, that it took me about three years of doing it consistently before I like kind of kicked myself in the butt and said, you need to start treating this like a business. You need to start you know, respecting this medium and taking yourself taking it more seriously. And, and that was sort of a mind change because I realized I'm doing this for a reason. It has a purpose behind it. And I enjoy it. And look at all the value I've gotten out of it. I've met hundreds of people. I've heard amazing stories. I've got a great network of people. So I, I owed podcasting something at that point. So that's how I started.
1: Yeah. And and that's, you know, I can identify with uh, with a lot of that feeling. Um, I don't monetize this podcast. and I've been asked a few times, like, well, you know, why do you do it? You know, why do you do it if you're not if you're not making money or you're not getting things paid for? You know, the value that I get out of it are from the people that I meet, the opportunities that come my way because of it. There have been a ton of things that I've uh, that have come out of this that would not have happened if if I did not head down this route. And it's something I couldn't have imagined at the beginning. Yeah. Um. And, and that's been the the wonderful sort of surprise about it, and the fact that I enjoy doing it is is just sort of you know you know icing on top of the cake. And now, before we get away from from you, Jen, could you sort of describe what what the focus of your podcast is?
2: Oh, yeah. So, you know, my business has since been closed uh, four or five years now, but I kept the podcast going and started recording from my home. I just made a home studio in my dining room. It works fine. But we, we kind of continued the mission. And to this day, we still talk to creative people, and we also talk about topics that are pertinent to making it as a creative individual. So we talk a lot about creative entrepreneurialism and small businesses and, you know, how to do what you love and make money doing it. Yeah. So, so kind of the anti-starving artist. <laughs>
1: Let's get, to, you know, it's time these artists had a sandwich or something or, or got, you know, got, got a roof <laughs> over their head, put a little effort into it. Uh, how about you, Alex? How did you get started? Well, <laughs> you
0: know, it's interesting when I think back to to these different points that the Jelly and uh, the Foundry and the Jellyvision show podcast have had, you know, in the path of the Pilotwaste podcast. And so when a million years ago, when I used to get the emails from the Soundry, I, and I think I talked about this on, on your show at one point, uh, Jelly, I had this like sort of like weird jealousy, you know, because I saw this amazing space in Vienna that was doing these amazing things. It was having all this fun and I couldn't get out there. I didn't have a car. And I was like, who is, who does this woman think she is, you know, doing this crazy <laughs> stuff in the suburbs? This is insane. You know, I, I was so jealous. And then, you know, I quit this longtime job I had had. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I started listening to all these podcasts for,
1: for the lucrative career of podcasting.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, I had to, the money was so huge. Yeah. Also, that brings me to, I'm not getting paid for this.
1: Yeah. This? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, this is it is, cash? Um, uh, yeah, actually, you, you this is we take donations. You're supposed to bring money. I've here? never had to pay to be on a show. before. that's the first the but, um,
2: <laughs> you know, not I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> but you know, during my uh, during my uh, my hiatus when I was trying to find myself, if you will, I came across the Jellyvision show podcast and it you know, it had this history from following the soundry for so long. and my uh, my brother Jason and I had believed for a long, long time that if artists and musicians worked hard enough that they could make, a career, a real legitimate career, out of their um, out of their passion. I started to listen to Jelly's podcast, and I was like, you know what? This is this is what I want. This is what I want to say. These are the things that I'm interested in. But the jealousy was gone. I was actually starting to enjoy the program. I was starting to to check in with her and Tim. Listen almost every week. And I thought to myself, well, I would like to have a show. I would like to try this. I followed her show. I followed the Omera, uh, the Omera show, and then I followed This American Life. And I thought, well, if there's some way that I could have artists and music- musicians come on, tell personal stories, well, then maybe people in the area would be more likely to go see their shows. You know, when Michael and Jennifer come on and tell the story about their piano lessons, that will resonate with Alex at home, and now he will go see them live and in concert. And I think that that, you know, that ultimately was what I was trying to push.
1: And it's morphed quite a bit since then. Now you just recently got a nomination for something.
0: I did. Uh, the Washington Blade uh, nominated us for best podcast. As did uh, the Jellyvision Show podcast was yes.
1: also nominated. Oh, I didn't notice. Yes, that. we're actually we're nominated for the same award. Oh, well then we need to settle this right now with I think an arm wrestling contest.
2: Well, it's it's an honor to be nominated, <laughs> and it's something that I didn't try to get. So I was really surprised because it wasn't something that I was like, "Hey, vote for me." So, but then once you get nominated your friends can vote every day for you once a day. So that means you have to really just kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm just I'm not comfortable with that. So I announced the nomination once and said, hey, you know, if you want to vote, great. And that's all I did, because if I'm going to win, I just want to win because people genuinely like the podcast and vote on their own. I don't want to win because I pestered people every day for 30 days to vote for me. (laughs) But that's I just have me. no issue with that whatsoever. Alex, <laughs> so Alex, Alex is, is going to win. Alex will win. <laughs> he's going he's to
1: roll this into the big, big money, the big career. Well, you know, in in
0: terms of being nominated, which it was an amazing, you know, high, you know, to to be recognized that anyone even knows about your show is exciting enough, in my opinion, to to be nominated alongside the person who inspired you to get into podcasting. That is a whole different experience, and I'm sorry that I got to have that experience and you didn't, but that's just the way oh, it is. So, oh, that's so. <laughs> you're so
2: nice, and I I don't want to like let any more time go by before. I let everyone know that I am a huge fan of the Pilot Waves podcast. I'm a regular listener and it's not because he's my friend but because I actually look forward to every episode that comes out. So, I wish I had Alex's interview style and his voice because I think it's it's so addictive. And, you, I, and I don't have it. And yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of that.
1: Just try to try to lower your voice. What do you
2: I've do? tried. Radio. I've tried. A little
1: base on your board there. But, what I, but I
0: was going to end. It is an honor to be nominated, especially alongside other great podcasts. But for something like the Washington Blade, which is an extremely progressive paper and heralded in the city as being such, that also was a huge, huge honor. And, and I, I, can't, I cannot overstate that. It, it's amazing.
1: So both of your shows are, in a sense, interview shows. Um, you have a you have a co-host, uh, Jelly. Yeah, um,
2: and we've um, we've actually recently we we do interviews, but we've been mixing it up with just uh, Tim and I, my co-host, talking. Part of that was on accident because I got really busy and behind on booking. Uh, and if you if you interview guests on podcast on, on your podcast, I I salute you because keeping up with guest booking is the hardest job. And I get behind on it. So we would have to come up with topics and talk because maybe a guest canceled or I got behind on booking. And that has actually been teaching me a lot lately about kind of opening up more about what's going on with with us personally, because we talk about the subject of being creative entrepreneurs because we both in our own way are. I'm a small business owner. I have tons of creative projects. Tim, my co-host, is a full-time comedian, actor, improviser and so we're we're both struggling and going through different things and so just recently kind of just started opening up more personally and it's amazing like the difference in the response and the engagement when we did that it's like a total different feeling and people are responding to it so I guess you're gonna know all my deep dark secrets soon because I've got to uh open up a little bit more on the show about myself.
1: I, I know there's, you know, I don't want to say that a guest is a crutch, but certainly, you know, if you have a guest in, somebody who may not know that very well, you know, you've got all of the things that you would ask a person to try to learn a bit more about them. So that's going to fill up time and then it's going to open up things because you're going to be surprised. But I imagine, and you're lucky in that, that Tim and, and you as well have some, some performance experience. So you're you're comfortable with, you know, with, with communicating and sort of thinking quickly on your feet. As it were, even though you don't stand, you actually sit.
2: We do sit at yeah. your at
1: your dining room table.
2: I've been, and sometimes I need a break from guests. And I don't know if you have this <laughs> if you have this problem. And I'll just this is probably not going. to I be. love my guests.
0: Yeah, this is going to go really well. This is not going to go, like go well. People after this,
2: <laughs> but sometimes I just get sick of kissing the guests. Can I say? AS? Yeah. I I get sick of kissing kissing the guests' ass, and I like my guests, but it's like as the interview, I feel like everything has to be so like pro guest and promote what they're doing. And, and sometimes I just get sick of it. Like I, I, and I think this is like an interview adjustment that I'm making where I kind of, I want to have that opportunity to be critical with them a little bit, not in a super negative way, but just to kind of maybe question what they're doing or their motives and, and kind of get a clearer picture. And it's harder to do when you're just like, I'm kissing your ass, and I love everything you're doing. Well, you you can't, you can't be
1: super promotional. You can't be, you know, rah rah about your guest all the time because I, and your listeners are gonna gonna pick up on that. Yeah. They're, gonna, well, they're gonna be more interested in the.
0: Yeah, I think it depends, you know, and and I think uh, Jelly Show. She's. I think she. I don't think she's giving herself enough credit because I think that you're not critical with your questions, but there are times that you ask, you know, curious questions because you're trying to get at an overall point that's not necessarily mired up in positivity. It's just that you're not saying like, "Well, tell me again how you're going to make some money," you know. But you get there. You do get there. Thank you. But what I, that does, you know, for me, getting guests is not as hard as getting the right guests, you know? And yeah, one of the true. things that I had to do and You I, guys
1: are filling guests, just so you know. <laughs> <I'm>. <laughs> <laughs> we know.
0: One of the things, I mean, this is the story of my life. Um, I would say the absolute number one thing that I've learned in interviewing guests is that you have to do a pre-interview, even if it's a very small amount of time. Doing that pre-interview is key so you know, is that guest hard to get out to come out of their shell? Are they easy to get to come out of their shell? Are there particular topics that are just completely uninteresting? But more importantly than that, when you're not having the first conversation on air, there's a whole different level of comfort that I think just pays off in dividends. And that that is my number one tip. Do a pre-interview with your guests as often as possible, even if it's
1: over email. Yeah. And, and what we do here is we'll send out the the questions um, just so that they're familiar with the idea. But but speaking to the pre-interview, that that's a really great idea. And I would recommend it. We don't do it. Uh, we've done it a couple of times. And it's something that would be really valuable for us to do because a lot of times it's all about the guest's comfort Mm -hmm. is how well the conversation is going to go. If they don't know who you are or what you're going to ask them about, I mean, for us, yeah, we send them the questions, but, you know, are they going to go off the questions? Are they going to get real personal? Are are I going to talk about things that I don't want want to talk about? And sometimes in the pre-interview, you'll find, um, you know, I've had guests who come on, I don't want to say they're rehearsed, but they there seems also to be a barrier between what you're asking them and who they are, that they, they give you these answers that, you know, they've been at a conference or they've, they've been interviewed before and these are kind of the stock answers, but they're not, they don't come across as necessarily genuine. And so what we try to do is, is sort of foster the, the conversational atmosphere. And, and sometimes, you know, we, again, we don't do a pre-interview. Sometimes we'll turn on the mics and we'll talk for a few minutes beforehand to sort of get warmed up. But, you know, I'll find that, you know, you may not get into get it get the person to really feel comfortable and to open up until ten or fifteen minutes into the into the conversation, and so then it becomes a matter of well, maybe I maybe we clip the first fifteen minutes of the conversation and we start with a question at the fifteen minute mark and then go from there, and maybe that's the way to do it. I mean, for us. You know, a lot of podcasts will will just turn on the mics. They'll talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes and they'll turn it off. And then that's their podcast.
0: There's one podcast in particular that I'm thinking of that just basically it's a a room full of people talking about movies in a way that you or I would talk about movies, you know, in a conversational format. That doesn't trans. That's not entertaining people. And I think that you can't forget, you know, maybe your conversations are fascinating and that's fine but you're entertaining people. Entertaining people is different than being an interesting conversation. Um, And the reason that I started doing the pre-interviews is I was really sick and tired of doing these interviews that were fine, they were okay, and then afterwards I'd say, well, let's just hang out for five or 10 minutes and just chat, you know, just to get to know each other. And those conversations were infinitely more interesting than the actual interviews. It really... Getting to, like you were saying, making the guest comfortable, that cannot there, – there's no uh, overestimation of how important that yeah, is. Yeah, that's
1: like 90% of the the interview process. And the thing is, this is not an unusual thing for journalists uh, who, who will interview people, and they may be officials that can only speak uh, to certain facts or whatever. And they'll answer your questions, and then once the microphone's off, they'll start talking to you and tell you all this stuff that you wish you could have gotten on the mic. And, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, I can't really speak on the record. on that." other times you're like, you know, okay, well, yeah, you can write that in, but you don't get the audio for it. So it's just this weird sort of dance you do. And it's almost like every time you interview, every time you really interview somebody, it's a new experience really is. You don't really think about that 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 much. You figure after a while you've interviewed people that you've seen everything, but it's a brand new person. It's a brand new perspective. They may have some quirks that are similar to other people. They may be talking about the same sort of subject, but they're coming from a completely different direction. And that's where it's kind of fun when you're talking (laughs) to them to see what that, you know, what what makes them unique and, and, and different. And I
0: think what you said, too, is important. The listener can pick up on stuff. So if oh, you yeah. are not interested in your in your topic or if you're getting a little bit tired of the topic, that's going to come through. You have to be curious. You can't just pretend to be curious. You have to be enjoying yourself. You have to be fascinated.
1: And, and I've been in interviews where, I, where I've had to work. There's sometimes where, like this one, oh yeah, like this one. No, no, no. <laughs> so this hard. one's this one's going really well. Um, but but you know you you're listening to the answer and the answer maybe the your your guest is answering you in a very rote fashion and, and you you really have to kind of press them. You have to listen to what they're saying and try to anticipate what am I going to say that's going to going to open them up, that's going to crack this veneer, that's going to allow me to sort of see that person, get that person to react and respond to the questions that I'm asking so that my audience will will, will see who they are. And, you know, sometimes that's really tough.
2: It can be tough. Are we, um, I think Alex and I have this in common. Michael, do you have only in-studio guests?
1: No, we we do. We do remotes. We do phone interviews.
2: Okay. so Phone interviews are a lot harder. That is one thing that I can't do. I'm so uncomfortable with phone interviews and Skype interviews with guests that, I finally just decided that I would only do in-studio guests. I need to look the person in the eye and be able to see their face, engage their reactions. And that's just my comfort level. I've heard plenty of awesome interviews from you included, Michael.
1: Thank you. um,
2: Of Skype interviews. But for me, because I started out doing in-studio, I just haven't been able to pull away from that. I feel very uncomfortable not being able to look across the table and see my guest and connect with them.
1: It's hardest when the guest... Is not comfortable and is not sure where you're coming from and is being very guarded over the phone. I mean, a lot of those barriers go down when you're in the same room. They can sort of get a sense of yeah. who you are and, and what your you know non-verbal cues are. But when you're on the phone and all you have is that voice that's talking to you, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what can I say that can make this person feel comfortable? You know, a hundred miles away. Uh, so that they they open up to me, and sometimes you know it's it's real easy to fail in, on a phone interview. Other times I've had I've had great phone interviews where the person is just ama- you know, amazing from from step one, and it's just you know my job is to step back and and not interrupt them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's totally right. The only phone interview I ever did I actually didn't air. Um, to use Jelly's phrase, the reason is because I ended up kissing uh, the guest ass so much. Because I was just trying to get out of there and get it done because I hated the experience. I hated the way it sounded in my head. Um, and I couldn't gauge that, you know, that sort of human interaction to understand how it was going. It was terrible.
1: It was terrible. Well, well for us and because of the type of podcast that, that we have, there a lot of our guests are, are just going to be out of town. And, or that they're incredibly busy people and the only time we're going to be able to talk to them is, you know, when they get off from work. And they can't. They don't want to come down to downtown DC. They don't want to come to our studio. So we, we try to be accommodating. And, and I feel, you know, I look at it as a challenge um, that to challenge myself to try to, you know, when we do have a, a guest who is on the phone or is on Skype, uh, to try to make an extra effort to to make them feel comfortable. To try to try to really work on on doing a good interview and it's tough, but you know, I, you know, this is part of the, the way our, our podcast functions. We can't get around it. I'm not NPR. I can't fly somebody into New York or have them come to our, our studio in, in Burbank and, and uh, have them record an interview uh, via, via satellite yet, yeah, but we're, we're working there. <laughs> so, um, so Alex um, let, let's, let's talk a little bit more about interviewing because we, we kind of touched on on guests what do you like about the interview process? I'm, I'm with you,
0: Michael. I love the opportunities that come outside of the show itself. I love the people that I get to meet. I love the the projects that I get to work on as a result of it. You know, when I, the very first time I started the podcast, I went to this, uh, show, um, music show very shortly after I went to, to go see the apes who are having a reunion show at DC nine in Washington, DC. And, uh, it was an amazing set. It was an amazing show. It was definitely a once in a lifetime experience. And I said to myself, I am going to work with this band. I'm going to have them on the show. And that's just all there is to it, because that's what I want. And then a year later, I got to work with uh, another incarnation of that band uh, called Heavy Breathing. It was the dream of a lifetime. That opportunity never would have presented itself if I hadn't had the show as sort of a context. You know, saying to someone like, hey, I want to help you with your album is okay, who are you and why are you here? Saying, Hey, I do this podcast. I, I have, uh, I'm a big fan. You can listen to these episodes. I've done interviews with other bands that gave me, it's like a business card, a great, big, gigantic audio business card.
1: Yeah. And, and I've had similar experiences being able to go to, go to different places and meet different people. And it's just the benefits, the benefits of doing a podcast are, are, are many and, and not always that obvious. And, and, I had usually positive experiences. The thing that I, I find, are, you know, every few episodes is, is uh, when I reach out to a guest, they're like, well, I've never been on a podcast. And they want to do it because it's something different and new. And, it, and it tend, they, those tend to be very fun podcasts. Because, and then afterwards, they're like, well, that was kind of fun. That was interesting. And it was because it was something different, a different type of interview, and these these are people who may have very well have been interviewed like on radio or TV or something else, but here's something different. So part of part of the joy is is me creating this experience that they may not have had. That's was, a, oh, you know, you, you go ahead. Let I was going to say
2: that's a really good point. I've had a couple of people turn me down for interviews on the podcast for various reasons, and I'm always very surprised. And these aren't famous people because we don't tend to uh, interview famous people, but. For anyone that's thinking about going on a podcast, I think what an amazing experience because one, you get your story or your message out there. If you're a business owner or a a brand or an author or doing something very cool that you want people to know about, it's essentially a commercial for you, but that does not feel like a commercial. You get to present yourself how you want to present yourself in a long form format. And that's such a rare opportunity. And then in terms of guests, I find it such a bonding experience. Anytime you can have a unique experience with somebody and share that, it's special. And in our case, our special circumstance is a podcast, you know, sharing that podcast experience together, the recording of it, the creating of it, and then putting it out there to the world. You have shared that with somebody, and that's really special. Plus, it's very altruistic. I think all of us, none of us are... um, you know, capitalizing monetarily on our podcast. So we really um, are just passionate about kind of getting stories out there, the kind of stories we like to share.
1: Creating a shared creative experience.
2: Yeah, so we're just doing it because it's something that means something to us. And so the people that come on my show and your show... It's a positive experience for them because we don't have to do it.
1: I, I, I can say, I know you just said that, Alex, that you had a, a, a bad interview. Um, I, I can say that all of, all with, with the exception of one interview, we're all incredibly positive. People came away feeling good about it. You know, they helped us promote it afterwards. We had one guest, and I challenge my listeners to try to figure out who that is by, by all the podcasts, who came in. It didn't quite, I think, understand what we were doing which seemed odd because of of who he was. And then at at like about 35 minutes, he just said, okay, you know, it was like he was done answering questions. And, And we just sort of wrapped up and he left. And I was like, "Well, that was interesting." And he didn't he didn't promote our podcast. And I'm not exactly sure what we could have done differently. But what was strange was what he had to say for the little, little time that he was there was really interesting. And actually, I've this will help people f- figure out who it is. I've actually mentioned this interview uh, several times because of some of the tips that he he left while he was here. But you know, that's that's one of those things I don't think I could have changed in any way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I th- i mean, I probably, out of the 25 or so interviews I've done, I probably only had two or three that I think went badly. All three were definitely my own making. I was the one, <laughs> you know, and I mean, and there's never... Every even a bad guest, and there's one in particular who's actually he's a friend of mine now. It was one of the worst interviews I've ever heard in my entire life. I just he wasn't in the mood. It, he was tired, and it just didn't work. But still, that's my responsibility to figure right. out how to work with that. Yeah, um, and I and I failed.
1: And yeah. I think that's probably what it was. And there was actually before you say anything, Joe, there was one other one other interview that that didn't go as well as I had hoped. It was, and that was because I was I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got the person in. I thought the guest was gonna be one thing and it turned out that she was very different and I felt bad because I my game wasn't up to where she was at and, and everything that she said was really interesting and very useful to our to our audience but I felt I, I we, it could have been so much more if I had actually spent some time and done pre-work that's the other thing you, you say do pre-interviews I say do pre do some pre-work do a little research about who, who the person is you're going to be talking to you know check to see if there are any other interviews of, uh, of this person's see what their bio is or that would be on Wikipedia you know get a sense of who they are and what's what it, you know maybe they have an interesting place that they grew up or that they you know that they worked at that you can sort of work into the conversation that's another way to you know, get people to open up to feel more comfortable, provided they don't think you're kind of a creep. also try uh,
0: alcohol. You can, uh, you can, (laughs) I thank you, Michael, for providing such a copious amount of alcohol Uh, to get Jelly (laughs) I to uh, feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, it was, I rolled the bar in here. We, we, we imbibed for a couple of hours. I got us to the right level there, you know, it's the
2: you best martini I've ever had. You yeah.
0: haven't lived. You've seen Michael shotgun a beer. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, oh, yeah. Geez.
1: Yeah. No, uh, there's no alcohol really,
2: but it's funny, uh, you know, sometimes it does come down to chemistry and it's really hard to, if the chemistry is not there, it's really hard to rescue that situation. It's, it's tough. I mean, then that's where your experience as a podcaster and interviewer will come in handy you know with us we try to connect with them by maybe asking a question that's that's not necessarily related to our topic of conversation you know just Ask something. Uh, we used to ask, uh, "Would you kill a dolphin for a million dollars?" We oh don't ask that God. anymore. But just it's anything, any silly question, just to get maybe them it thinking. Maybe if
0: was the Hitler of dolphins. Yeah, I was going to say it depends on the dolphin. <laughs> you'd be, really, you'd be yeah.
2: surprised how many people say said yes, or maybe you'd be surprised. Why how many would I be
1: surprised? No. It's a million dollars. I would never do it. Times are tough, and you're interviewing human beings who are, see
2: you know. it gets. But it gets people talking. It's and it's it's not about you know. It's a yeah. little bit about them, but it's just something silly and um, and. <laughs>
1: Do I get to eat you're, it? You're putting the, you're putting the, 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 the image of, of dolphin murder in your audience's head. I know. I don't do it anymore. For, That's an old
2: question. Now I, I tend to ask, um, I like to ask people, like, what kind of legacy they want to leave behind. Like, uh, what, what they want people to to gain after they're gone.
1: <laughs> for a second there, I thought you were going to say, what type of luggage they had. And I was like, <laughs> Well, that uh, would be a
2: great question, too. Because it's just uh, something, you know, just a little something, just to kind of break the ice or get them... Uh, <laughs> Get them loosened up because sometimes they're just, what you have to remember is they're nervous. M- nine times yeah. out of 10, they're, they're more so nervous. And I'm always surprised. I'm still to this day when somebody comes and is nervous, I'm like, you're nervous to be interviewed by me. I'm nervous that, you know, I'm not going to do a good job by you
1: good to, to trudge to your house, to sit at your dining room table and stare in, 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 into your microphones. It's That's nerve wracking. It's very interesting. I
2: guess it is.
1: May I ask a question? Sure. Michael and, uh, and jelly. How
0: quickly into the interview can you tell whether or not that's going to be an absolute A or not?
1: The the interview or just
0: the, the experience
1: with the person, I can usually get a pretty good sense of the person when we're we're setting up the mics as to what type of person they are. Nine times out of ten, though, you can you can tell because most people haven't been on podcasts; they're 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 just trying to figure things out. But usually, about by about ten minutes in, you'll know. You know, you you want to get them to that sweet spot where they where they feel comfortable, where they're ready to open up, um, and then they they see that you're not there to harm
2: them. This is my gauge, okay? So because I already told you I have people that come to my home to I my home studio it, to record. I was So uh, so this is how I can tell if it's going to be a stellar interview or if we're going to have to work a little harder. Not that it's going to mm-hmm. be bad, but we might have to work harder. And that's if they take food or drink when they come in, because we do kind of a pre interview. I, I send a really lengthy. You just send a large fruit basket. You've gotten my email before, yeah. I, I think. Uh, we've I send a, a lengthy email ahead of time, but then we do a little pre-interview before we turn on their record button, and I just and that's just to make sure they have time to go to the bathroom, get to know. Yeah, each other. Yeah, we walked around
1: your house for a little bit. Yeah,
2: we just hang out, but I always have a snack and um, a wine or a non-alcoholic beverage. And if they won't take anything, if they won't take food or drink, and they're just sitting in their seat and they don't go to the bathroom, I'm like, okay. We're going to have to work harder cuz they're not relaxed enough or feel comfortable enough to eat in front of me. <laughs> you know, they're just they're not ready to break bread with us and and it's it's foolproof. And if they don't eat or drink, I ha- we have to work harder to get them comfortable and get connected with them on the show.
1: Well, and it's funny because in contrast it seems Alex you, you you're like here drink this. It's like the minute they come in the door. Here's your here's your large tumbler of grain alcohol.
0: Well, (laughs) normally what I say is, you know those houses that you have to take your shoes off. Well, it's like that except take your pants pants off. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that. Okay, yeah,
1: it's a good point. It's not a video podcast.
0: Um, you know, I so. First of all, I want to bring up the fact that every time that I've gone to Jelly show, uh, to, which I've been on her show twice, neither time did she have uh, food ready for me. One time I actually had to ask her to heat ready up some me. day-old coffee, and she gave me this stale bag of Doritos, but that's another story well, for another time. D-
2: that's I, how you know I'm comfortable. I I know, if right? I don't give you a snack, that means I'm so comfortable, and my house is a little bit of a mess, you know that we're I friends. Re-
0: I could see it in my brain. You're like, you can have some of this leftover pizza. It's
1: been out for a while. Well, she, <laughs> she gave me a, a box of dry m- macaroni and cheese. Yeah, so and, and she didn't even offer that, that I could fix it She said, here, chew on this And I was like, okay Well, this is how this is going to be well,
2: And you chewed on it in the microphone Which I thought was very unprofessional <laughs> yeah.
1: Could you please chew off mic? It's the worst People don't like to hear people eating on podcasts hmm. So they say I've never, the, I've never had that experience
0: Yeah, except for the people eating podcasts, Which I hear is really, really the a big deal the edible, pod- edible, the edible
1: podcast <laughs> the, edible, the edible podcast You've had some experiences doing uh, live podcasts How does that work out? The
0: last uh, the last interview I did with Mr. Thomas Stanley was a live podcast. I tried, and this is this goes back to what I was saying. I really needed to think more about the difference between entertaining a live audience and um, and doing a podcast, which is really different. It's really different. I tried to dance between both, and I think I just put those blinders on and just tried to get through it as quickly as possible. I'm shooting myself in the foot, not my best interview. Um, but I think we're going to be able to put it together because Thomas Stanley himself is actually fascinating and he was great. I think I was so concerned about, well, is this, is it people enjoying this? Is this going well? Um, so it was terrifying.
1: Um, I
2: I was there and I'd like to say it was very entertaining. And I, I think I know why you're saying it's not a, a great interview. And I think it's because you didn't, um, you didn't have to talk very much because this this guest Robert Stanley was fascinating, mm-hmm. fascinating man, and he could just carry on a conversation. He could talk all day, and he was energetic and he was lively, and he he was he was actually talking and and kind of inter- interacting with the audience. So he was great, and I think Alex, what he did was he used his instincts and let him go and let him do let him entertain the audience. It probably felt weird to you because you didn't have to do as much.
0: I feel like you're just bringing up the fact that I like to put myself in the spotlight again. This is like a veiled, uh, you're teasing that you're doing. <laughs> Jelly teases me because I like to, I I enjoy a spotlight stage. occasionally. I think it's fun, and uh, but no, you're right. That's exactly why. That's, yeah, is because I wasn't talking very much. I thought that I wasn't doing my job. She's spot on. She's yeah. totally spot on, like usual.
2: See, yeah. this is a good reason we make good partners for DC Podfest because I do not like being in the spotlight. So, I don't want, I'm not going to be at DC Podfest on a microphone. I'm going to be scurrying around behind the scenes doing whatever I need to do. <laughs> Scurry like, like, like a, a rat. little rat, like a little DC rat. I'm going to be getting the job done. You're not going to see much of me, probably. But Alex, he can be like the spokesperson. He can get on a mic and talk and sound great and, you know, be very awesome at that thing that I can't really do very well.
0: And Jelly's really good at navigating the very wild world of um, massaging my ego and keeping it in check. She knows exactly how to do that. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, so as we sort of bring this home, let's let's get back to the DC podcast. Do you want to talk more about us? No, I'm. I think I'm up. <laughs> We're done f- here. I'm at my fill level for there. I think. Um, b- but you can certainly talk about what you're going to be doing in particular the podcast. But Podfest, I know that there. Um, you've got you you mentioned the the workshops and some of the presentations but there will be some live podcasting going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I mean one thing I I really want to stress about this. I when I put it together I wasn't thinking of it as a conference but there's really no other word that can we can use to describe it. So we'll call it a conference. And the reason I don't want to call it a conference is because I think there are some stereotypical things that you think of when you think of conference.
1: Bring a pad and a pencil paper. Sit down piece paper.
2: Yeah. and listen and take notes. And when you're completely bleary-eyed and exhausted and can't digest one more bit of information, go home with your Danish. I, I am uh, antsy and I don't like to just sit and listen. So I, our goal really from the very beginning was to make this a very interactive weekend. I want—I don't want people to leave and be inspired to and, and, and feed on and hope that that inspiration doesn't wane and go home and do something. I want podcasters to accomplish something during the weekend. So I challenged all of our speakers, workshop session leaders to think of what they can do, even if they're a speaker, and to get the audience engaged and what they can actually accomplish during their time, even if it's something small. And then on top of that, we have uh, these very ac- these activities that get podcasters involved with the event's success and uh, they can also accomplish something else while they're there. One is podcaster speed dating where we put podcasters in a room with business people interested in uh, investing in podcast marketing. So they get two minutes to to pitch to each business person and to see if they can broker a sponsorship deal. So they might be able to walk out with actual dollars, you know, committed to their podcast. So I think that's really cool opportunity. We have seven minutes in hell where you can get in front of a live audience and a panel of judges and present seven minutes of your podcast and win prizes. So, yeah, there, there are so many things that you can do there to get involved that I think it's. You'd be crazy not to come.
0: <laughs> Absolutely
1: crazy. These prices are
0: insane. So
2: <laughs> so excited.
1: So let's let's get down to the nitty-gritty. How can people find out about the podcast? Where is the information where they where can they get tickets or register?
2: Yeah, everything you can find everything at dcpodfest.com. There is a drop down for how to be involved. There's volunteer opportunities, live show opportunities, although they're getting filled up pretty quickly. But if you if you don't get a live show slot, you can always compete in Seven Minutes in Hell. That gives you seven minutes to do your show live and compete for a prize. You can be a host in the listening room, which I won't explain now, but it's very cool. Uh, there are ways for you to be, you know, really involved as more than just a ticket holder. But you can also find tickets there, and we actually need you to be a a ticket holder too. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and it, if, even if you're not going to be able to make it to the DC PodFest, I can't stress how how amazingly excited we would be to have you join the DC podcaster community, even if you're not doing a
1: podcast. Or even in DC.
0: Absolutely. Just join join the community. Come and see what other people are talking about. See how easy it is to get started. See how many different shows there are out there. And don't shy away because someone else might be doing a show that's similar to the one you want to be doing. My show and Jelly's show are are remarkably similar, but our takes on it are wildly different. And I think that that is another reason why more people need to be getting in podcasting. This is something that we're committed to, not just for this year, but the year after and the year after that. And this things in between. And things in between. We're trying to get more live podcasts out there. We're trying to do more with the people who are already being do- doing shows in the area and have been doing them for a while the time is now to get involved. There's a certain magic in the air around podcasting right now. And I think that you would be crazy not to get involved. And it would start with coming to the DC podcaster community. But I'm going to have to warn you, if you come to the DC podcaster community, you're going to catch the fever and you're going to end up coming to DC podfest. It's so you might true. As well just buy your ticket now. Yeah. Well,
2: and I, I love what Alex said earlier when we first started speaking about how the value that podcasters can find in community. It's not just you know meeting new friends. It's It's making each other better. Like we owe this platform something. It's given us all so much in return. So what do we owe this platform? We owe to make ourselves the best podcasters we can be. And the best way to do that is to connect with other people, learn from other people, get help from other people, and be part of something that's bigger than just you in your studio by yourself or with the guest talking to a microphone. It, you know, you need to be part of a bigger community to feel that connection. And it'll also keep you going. It'll keep you passionate about what you're doing by by having that connection with other people. And I can't even tell you how many good things have happened just from the connections from the community. I'm here because of the DC podcaster community. I mean, that who would have thought I would have been in a WTOP you know, a uh, newsroom station recording uh, a podcast. I'll,
1: I'll show you the, the glass and clothes nerve center after this. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be thrilled to do that. And I also want to say if anybody's like, hey, these smaller conferences, I mean, are they really worth it? I want to give a shout out to the Mid-Atlantic Podcasting Conference where I was at with you, Michael. It was a one day conference uh, somewhere in Westville, New Jersey, put on by Joe Pardo. Hey, Joe, if you're listening to this, great job. I am benefiting from that one-day conference to this day. I met a guy there. He can't make it to DC PodFest, but he's been talking about DC PodFest on his podcast. He's been promoting it on Twitter and Facebook. He's invited uh, us to come on and be on his podcast to talk about it. And that was just one great thing that happened. I mean, that's just one example I could go on. But And that was just from a one-day concert, all these great, I mean, concert, conference I mean, I can't, I can't even stress to you the importance of connecting with your community, all the opportunities that will suddenly fall into your lap from doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, all this po- positive affirmation about podcasting, I do not think I can add any more to Alex, Jen slash Jelly. Thanks for coming on. This has been great. Oh, thanks
0: yeah. for having us. Absolute honor. Thanks for having us. It a pleasure. Us.
1: We'll see you November 6th and 8th at the Wonder Bread Factory in Washington, D.C. in the Shaw District near the uh, Shaw Metro Station and uh, check out uh, all the information at uh, dc it's dc Podfest,
2: dot com. There we go. podcasting rules
1: there we go you've been listening to it's all journalism a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news this week's podcast was produced by nicola grisco and michael o'connell you can find out more about it's all journalism and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com it's all journalism is produced in partnership with the association of alternative news media thanks for listening